Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis and I appreciate you taking out time from your day to listen or watch the podcast we're putting out we have a special one today you don't have to get your eyes checked that's recruiting expert don callahan for the first time on a podcast Callahan and Vipolis collaboration. Don, how are you feeling for today? I am super excited. For those who don't know, I've been begging to be on your podcast for what, like two years now. I don't know if it was your fear of Ross or if I had to buy you lunch in order to get on here. But <laughs> something something you, you either overcame that fear or you really liked the, uh, the barbecue we had when I was in Charlotte. That, that was good barbecue when you were down here at Providence Day. I'm at Providence Day, too. Uh, but besides that, how, how's the summer of scoops been going? It's been good. You know, it's it's uh, kind of an interesting calendar, the way that the the recruiting calendar has kind of, I guess, filled out with you know June being just full of visits, July and August, a lot of um, decisions. And it seems like, you know, beginning of July, there was a ton of decisions and it has kind of slowed down a little bit. And we still have a few more decisions left for the rest of, of August. And then we'll head into into the, the, the season, really, with um, a couple of spots UNC is looking to fill. I'm glad you mentioned the the Ross aspect, too. I wanted to get back to that. I know you you're you have a ton of time committed between inside Carolina. You got dad duties. You got husband duties. But in your free time, do you watch any trash TV shows? Trash TV shows. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. Unfortunately, what shows are you watching? Oh, man. Um, so I do. I'll do some of the reality stuff. I'm like old school, you know, MTV, um, real world, the okay. challenge sort of thing. A big challenge fan. Um, bananas, bananas guy. I am. Um, I'm more of a West guy, okay. you know, just. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to respect bananas um, and CT. Um, the other show that's really trash is the um, Merit at First Sight that mostly my wife enjoys, but uh, we kind of sort of like to watch. But yeah, so are you a, are you a trash TV guy? The, the reason I ask that is because I've started watching Love Island, UK, the UK show. Uh-huh. And is the, Ross on there? No, but the premise is they bring in Islanders and you have to pair up and the goal is to be the strongest couple left and every so often like when you're already paired they bring in new islanders Mm. to try to get people's heads to turn and try to split some couples off and i know the the reason why i brought this up in the world of podcast this was happening here this is what's happening you're trying to tempt me no no (laughs) in the world of podcasting you and ross are are strong Oh, <laughs> but now Adam Smith is getting brought into the. Oh, so you're going that angle. OK. Ross's best friend, Adam Smith, joins inside Carolina 
and I'm looking out for you. I don't I want gotcha. I don't want all your eggs to be in the Ross basket. So you invited me on here because you felt like Ross was distracted. Ross, and it would make it easier. Yeah. Ross is turning his head. <laughs> And this is your <laughs> reminder when you look around that you do have other options. Okay. If, if you want in the world of Inside Carolina. All right. That's good. I'll keep that in <laughs> mind for sure. <laughs> but before the season gets started, I thought it would be fun to take a trip down memory lane. We're going to hand out some superlatives from Don's time covering recruiting for Inside Carolina. We did something similar with Rel, and I think that was the starting point of your petition to get on, on the podcast. And um. The subscribers and the listeners always love anytime we get people on for recruiting. I, I told Rel, anytime somebody asks me any question about recruiting, like, oh, if I'm walking out the street and somebody's like, Vip, are we going to get this recruit? I'm like, ask Don, ask <laughs> Rel. I have all my information is coming strictly from them. So I guess to get started, when did you get started with recruiting and how long have you been doing it? So I've been doing it almost 20 years now. And I started it while I was in college. It all kind of started with, um, I developed a website, nchsfootball.com. And uh, which actually was surprisingly successful considering, you know, my resources and my time. I was a college student. Um, through that, I met Miller Seyfried. And for those who have, are longtime Inside Carolina or Tar Pit um, subscribers, they knew the name Miller Seyfried. Miller started up AC Preps, and he it was like 100 times more successful than I was. He used that to get a job at what was then the Insiders. And the Insiders eventually came to scout.com. But um, while he was at the Insiders, um, we kind of still communicated and, and obviously crossed paths a bunch, a bunch at different events. Um, I, in a funny story that I don't think I've, I've ever revealed before, so I'm doing this part time with this with this um, website. I'm a college student. I'm also working at um, Kohl's, the department store. OK, and I get fired. So no income whatsoever. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was freaking out because obviously we had rent to pay and all that. And so I'm trying I'm applying to different places. And so I happened to reach out to Miller and say, hey, here's the situation. And he said, hey, let me see what I can find out. He puts me in contact with Buck Sanders who I knew nothing about at the time. Buck asked me for a couple of, um, of samples, send the samples. They hired me um, part-time just to do two or three stories a week. I ended up getting a job at Dick's Sporting Goods. That ended up paying the bills for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, worked for Inside Carolina. And then Miller, uh, they were kind of expanding or whatever with Miller's department because he's working still with in the Insiders, which eventually, as I said, became Scout.com. And he hired me full time, but I still work for Inside Carolina. Along the way, I eventually became full time with Inside Carolina and gave up the, the scout.com duties um, just because Inside Carolina had a lot more work for me to do. Um, even though I think a lot of NC State fans think they, they try to get me fired or whatever, that, that there was, I don't even know where that came from. There's no truth to that whatsoever. So, anyway, so that's kind of how I started. So, I, um, I guess. I think it was my senior year of, of college is when I went full time with or no, I'm sorry. Actually, no, it was after I graduated when I went. I went full time with Miller while I was a senior in college. And then about a year after I graduated, I went full time with Inside Carolina. So Cole's loss was inside Carolina's gain. That's right. I was I was the, the best uh, best truck unloader they had. But they fired you. So I'm officially putting it out to our subscribers. This is our, our Coles protest. Okay. We're, yeah. Let's boycott, <laughs> boycott Coles because they fired me 20 so, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to be like, why are, the, why are our sales tanking? The, the no funny thing scoops and get away with it. The funny thing is, is so I was fired because I mean, I, I, I knew pretty quickly. I did not want to do retail. I, so I was the type that I hate to admit this now because uh, I guess I have a pretty, pretty comfortable job now. So, so Buck's not going to get too upset, but arrive, arrive late, try to leave as early as possible sort of thing. Um, all that sort of stuff. And I remember when um, I was, I actually overslept. It was an honest oversleep, but all the other times weren't. And so when I went into the manager's office, she, I guess someone else had to report it that I was late or whatever. 
And she said the person at corporate told her, you know, we should have fired this guy a long time ago. So <laughs> that's never a good message. No. <laughs> so for the superlatives, um, the only guidelines I have are that this is only about commits that committed to UNC mm-hmm. and it's superlatives from the time of the commitment, from the time that you were covering, not how they, I guess, progressed at UNC unless it's uh, other, uh, unless we stayed otherwise. But mm. the first question I have for you is who was the first commit you remember covering? So uh, Mike Mason's answer, but let me give a quick caveat. I'm so glad Taylor gave me this list ahead of time because I have such a bad memory, but it was actually fun last night, kind of looking through the commitment list, looking through some of the notes to kind of answer some of these, but yeah, Mike Mason was the first one I remember. And I think he had committed around the time that I start working on the beat, but him and I became pretty close friends because he committed so early and he was one of the first commits of that class, but a uh, wide receiver who I think played some at North Carolina, but didn't amount to much, but was like a four-star wide receiver, I believe. And then we've seen it on the, the basketball threads, the Kerwin Walton, the Harrison Barnes, the ones that really kind of take over the board. Mm-hmm. Who would you say the message board was the most hyped about centered around a football recruit or football commit? Yeah, this one was was probably the toughest for me. Um, you know, I think about Zamir White um, a little bit. You know, the, the five-star running back from Scotland County ended up at Georgia. I know he's not a UNC commit. Um, but, I mean, so there – I mean – Right now, I mean, it's like Concepcion, KC is is kind of the name that everyone's talking about a bunch because, you know, he's committing. I mean, basketball, I think, and football recruiting are just so different in that, you know, know, basketball, what, you're signing like two, three guys a class and and football recruiting, you're signing 25. So it's it's a little bit harder to kind of get stuck on just one guy. Yeah. Yeah. The Walton Walton one for basketball, it's like you'll be on like page 10 and – go out to like a lunch break and you come back and they're on page like 35. Well, that happens with a lot of posts <laughs> and inside Carolina. I mean, even the, the weekly scoop, I mean, a lot of people will be like, Hey, didn't you, you didn't respond to my post on page nine. I'm like, dude, after page three, I just kind of accept that that's probably have gone off in some other direction that I, I don't want to mess with. You yeah. Know, the, to be honest, the subscribers on inside Carolina, the, the premium stuff really, make it worth it because like sometimes I'll sometimes I'll like want to learn something about like another team Mm -hmm. I'll go to like their board and then like you'll see posts on like the front page where it's like the most recent thing is like a week ago yeah I'm like I I can't even imagine this for inside Carolina yeah I hear all the time from other like the national writers who they come to our board they're like oh my god it's like you know, it's like the uh, ATL airport, basically, the way, you know, inside Carolina is. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of websites where you go to their message boards and it's, you know, echoes. The, the, the tumbleweed. The tumbleweed yes. Is yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you say the best communicator was for uh, a commit where it's like, if, if you want to get a story, they're going to reach out to you really quick. If you want to get a scoop, they're going to be really helpful. So I had a bunch. Now keep in mind, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So my list, Eric Ebron, Michael Carter, William Sweet, and Austin Prohl. All those guys. Um, and there's there's a bunch of others. I'm sure I'm forgetting some. Um, because there's been a bunch through the years who Rara Dibworth is another one that I need to put on there, who, you know, if I needed to know kind of what was going on, I give them a call. They usually answer or they get back to me really quickly. They give me some of the inside stuff. Eric was great um, because we also did like a journal with him, like a recruit journal with him. And he's just, I mean, he's just a great personality, you know, and some of the stuff I had to, you know, some of the stuff he was the crazy stuff he would say, I'd, I'd have to kind of tame a little bit, but um, yeah, he was a lot of fun. Austin Prohl was great. You know, as far as like just understanding, you know, football and understanding, um, you know, just the, the coaching atmosphere. Um, Michael Carter, everybody knows, you know, because he's more recent, just the type of personality he is. I saw a video with him. You know, you did something on, on, yeah. on Michael Carter. So, you know, I mean, just unbelievable personality. Um, and he was he was really good about 
um, being involved with recruiting. And if I wanted to know, okay, what's the deal with what's going on here? He would, he would give me a good idea. Um, same thing with William Sweet, you know, uh, you know, very personable kid, you know, would give me whatever I needed. Anytime I needed anything, I would hit him up and he'd get back to me. There's been a bunch through the years. And I'm sure I'm forgetting about a lot. Rava was great. And he was during that class, that 2021 class, which was during the COVID year. And so it was a little bit harder to get information because I couldn't rely on going to camps or going to high schools to talk to high school coaches, talk to recruits, talk to parents. So I had to really rely on the recruits. And he was one of the ones that, that I leaned on a lot. The opposite end of that spectrum. Who was the worst communicator where you're trying to do a story and you're not hearing anything? It's crickets. Yeah. So th there, there's been a few, but the one that really stuck out to me, and I mean, it's, it's kind of an unfair selection, but Junior Nakande. <laughs> do you remember Junior Nakande? Yeah, yeah. Me and so, Junior were teammates for three years, I think. Yeah, so I don't feel as bad about picking this because I saw some, they, they did a video and it kind of, um, used his he has a very thick accent and that's that's the that's the issue here and they use his thick accent as a joke in the video so it sounds like he he has fun with it but yeah I can remember thankfully so I think he was adopted or something with from the athletic director at his like a little school in Georgia and that guy was awesome to deal with because he actually flipped at the very end or no Georgia Tech dropped him at the uh, right before sign, like a few weeks before signing, or maybe the week of signing day, and um, North Carolina, you know, scooped him up immediately. And his athletic director, who he lived with, was awesome to deal with. So um, he would put me on the phone with Junior, and I would never use any of the quotes because his accent is just really, really thick and really, really difficult to understand. So, how are you coming up with stories? His his um athletic, athletic director. It was strictly yeah. athletic director. Yeah, through yeah. a third party translator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the next question it's it's almost like asking to choose a favorite kid. I would have to imagine yeah. for a parent, but who's the favorite parent that you've gotten to know? So this is another one that could actually get me in trouble because a lot of these parents still listen to the podcast, even if their kids have long left North and Carolina. And a lot of them think they're the favorites. Potentially. Yeah. So um, if I had to pick one, I would go with Dion Glover. You know, everyone knows Dion because he's been a, a, a guest on a lot of these different podcasts. He's Tony Grimes, dad, but you know, um, Tony Grimes, recruitment was so just a lot of twists and turns throughout and um, Dion told me, he's like, hey, you know, reach out to me once a week. Let's just let's just keep the line of communication open, which was awesome, which I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a, had a parent or a recruit do. So we would talk once a week and it wouldn't only be about Tony. You know, um, Dion's very involved in that community there. So he would give me give me um, names of guys because I mean, at that time, you know, Tyon Holloway and Tyshawn Chapman weren't big names. So he would tell me about those guys. Um, and give me information on those guys, which, which was great. And I still talk to not every week, but I still talk to Dion, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, just a couple of honorable mention. Um, uh, Javari Ritzy's mom. Absolutely awesome. You know, Ritzy had his announcement in his backyard. So I had I had to work with her a lot. And she's great. Andre Green's dad, who's been a guest on our podcast, is, was always awesome. I didn't speak to him weekly, but we spoke a lot. And Andre's recruitment was if. if you guys remember last year was very um, um, intense with a lot of stuff that was going on, particularly those the, that last week before he actually announced he took the official visit to Clemson. His dad made himself available to give me quotes, which was awesome. We had we had tremendous coverage of um, Andre Green Jr. And that was because of Andre Green Sr. Um, Duke Howe, Sam Howe's dad was awesome. You know, Fortunately for me, when a lot of things went down in North Carolina with Mac Brown being hired and then uh, Phil Longo being hired, it happened. A lot of stuff happened during Shrine Bowl week. So I was down in Spartanburg with Sam and his dad. Obviously, Sam had a lot of practices, but, you know, his dad was there. and We would talk a bunch and and he was really insightful. Um, he's another one who's good with about giving names about, you know, with kids who are also in the area, the particularly Charlotte area. Bren Renner's dad was awesome. 
you know, th- b- this was before the time of Huddle, and his dad would send me um, Bren's highlights every week, video highlights. And this might sound like, oh, no big deal now, but back then, <laughs> when it was tough. Yeah, it was difficult. You had to, I mean, you had to have the, the high school, most high schools didn't have that technology. I think that was still at the point where I, I was still receiving VHS and this guy sent me digital stuff, which was awesome. Um, Mike Switzer, you, um, Ryan Switzer's dad, you know, another guy who, you know, Ryan wasn't really big on the recruiting process. So Mr. Switzer was awesome with helping me out. And he's also a photographer. So we've crossed paths a bunch, just him shooting different events and me being at those events. And also want to mention Jake Lawler's parents. Uh, both of them are UNC alums. They were tremendous. Um, they're, I know that they're big podcast listeners. So um, if they're listening, hello, Michelle. Um, so, um, but they were great. So that, that's, that's my list. I, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. It's a good list. I apologize it's if I list. did. Yeah. What's that? It's, it's a great list. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say the, the best recruiter was once they committed doing their best job at getting others to commit and getting others on board at Carolina? So I'm, I'm sure there probably were, were better recruiters because some of them do it kind of in the shadows. But what I remember most was Michael Carter and, and Jake Lawler's um, class. Mike and Lawler almost kind of competed to land recruits. And we, we just, we talked about early about Mike, you know, just on, on social media and um, just, you know, how he's just such a fun personality to talk to. And Jake's a really chill kid um, who explains things really well and was really good with recruiting also. So I think that duo for that class, I can't remember what class that exactly that was, but I, I would, I would single those guys out. Do you remember who was doing a better job at at getting the it was the 2017 class? Okay. Um maybe maybe Carter, but I mean, you know, I have I have a awful memory. Yeah. That class just for uh the people listening, it was Melton, Lawler, Cotman, Trayshaw, Cawthon, Ross, Gill, Carter, Riley, Branch, uh Caleb Rosar, Jordan Tucker. Um, for just for context, for people listening to the 2017 class, who would you say was the best highlight tape? Like sports, a lot of times when you, when you think of the highlight tape, like some people are some synonymous with having great highlight tapes, Tavon Austin, um, basketball, seventh woods, who was the best commit highlight tape that you saw? The one that pops out my head, TJ Logan. And I mean, he had a song made about him, Yeah, you know, um, but uh, just just tons of just really long runs. I mean, just one at the other, at the other, at the other, you know, spins, leaps, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, Ryan Switzer, I think you got to also mention his very similar as far as just, you know, what he's doing out there. Um, and then he obviously, you know, proved it on the NFL level until recently uh, as a return man. Um, those would be my two selections for the highlight tape. Yeah, those guys, it's like they're obviously going to have good highlight tapes because mm-hmm. you look at their stats and mm-hmm. like a one game stat is some people's season. Like yeah. TJ Logan, seven, eight touchdowns in a playoff yeah. game. He's obviously going to have a great tape. I'm going to have to go back and watch those tapes. How about when you're on the road, who was the best commit that you remember watching live? So I'm going to go with Elijah Hood, mostly because I feel like on tape, his speed is this tape doesn't do his speed justice. But I can remember multiple times where I'm on the sidelines and he made he made a cut um, and actually was on the sidelines. This is right after he had decommitted from Notre Dame. And there was all these rumble, rumblings about North Carolina, because I think before he had committed to Notre Dame, North Carolina, it was, uh, it was down North Carolina and Notre Dame. Um, and I think Alab- I don't, maybe Alabama came in later with the roll toilet paper thing. Um, the, the best, the best quote <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know what Don's talking about. We we talked about it in football all the time. There's a video of Elijah Hood that he posted <laughs> flushing an Alabama letter down a toilet, going roll toilet. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
but yeah, so during that time, there was a game. I believe he he uh, Charlotte Catholic had a game on a Saturday. Robert Dinkins, who was committed to North Carolina, Case and Collins also committed to North Carolina. They came to the game. They were on the sidelines with me. And I remember he made a cut and just blew down the sideline in front of me. And it just you heard you heard his feet. But, the, you know, but you also just heard the wind, you know, and it was just like it was almost like when, when, a, when a like a, a truck blows past you when you're standing on the street. Like it was like that, like just how fast he was. Um, and I, I can't remember which one, if it was Dinkins or if it was uh, Case and Collins said, that's our running back. You know, uh, because, I mean, he is just unreal. And you really had to because I, I don't think people realize just how fast he truly was. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, at one of the Nike camps, he ran like the fifth fastest time out of like 500 kids. And these weren't like slouches. This is back when the Nike camps attracted the best of the best. And and he was the fifth fastest there and weighed at that time. What? I don't know, 220, whatever it was. So it was amazing. Yeah, that 2015 season was was something special watching watching him work and he was so good that TJ Logan kind of took like almost a, a secondary role when you think of North Carolina having two NFL caliber type backs in in the same backfield. Who would get the superlative for biggest commit size-wise? I feel like nowadays these kids are getting bigger and bigger, but do you have one in mind where it's like this is this is the biggest human being I've ever seen committed to UNC. So um, I try to find and I guess I got sidetracked when I was looking for it. Um, uh, Calvin Bryant was a huge human being, um, and I think he was in the six, seven range, 300 something plus. Um, but I think the thing I remember most was he had this massive head. And I do remember in press conferences because I, I can't remember who was I, I guess it was Butch Davis, maybe. Um, was talking about how they had to order him a special helmet because his head was so big. Um, but I, so I need to look that up. But but really, more recently, you know, um, Trayvon Green, who just signed with North Carolina, who actually um, some people are telling me how good he's looked in um, in practice. Um, you know, on his profile, his high school profile, he's listed at like six eight three thirty something. But I can remember he would always say three forty. And then he went to some camp and it was like 360. And there was a point where he was like over 400 pounds. So this is a massive human being. Great kid. Um, great interview. But yeah, I mean, he was a massive human being or is still. I, yeah. I know he's trimmed down a bunch. And and his story with how he lost all that weight was is, is a great story also. Yeah. Go Heels has him listed at six, seven and three quarters. 345 pounds yeah that's that's one where i almost need the uh the visual of me standing next to him like a uh, aaron judge jose altuve pitcher yeah, where, where yeah. I, I need to go to a practice get a pitcher next to him be the butt of everybody's jokes of him being like a foot almost a foot taller than me uh what about again the opposite end Who who's the smallest commit that you can remember carolina bringing in so yeah, this is another one where we went down the list. I was kind of looking, and um, the smallest I could find, and he's not going to like this, is Ryan Switzer. And it's, it's definitely, for those who know Ryan, know he, he's that's it's a sore point for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, and it didn't matter. He he worked super hard. He made it to the NFL and played however many years it was in the NFL at multiple teams, returner, receiver. So. So yeah, but he was he was the smallest. I th- I think that almost plays into his his hand where he had such a a big chip on his shoulder and it was mm-hmm. always like yes. the the uh, hard over height type mm-hmm. um, storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if he would be that mad that you said he was he was the smallest, especially when you look at the numbers he put up and <laughs> and the records he kind of set while he was at Carolina. Who would you say? the fastest commit is line them all up Who, who's winning a, a hundred meter dash. So these guys actually participated in a um, track meet together. Um, Kedrick Davis and Romar Morris. Um, Morris actually got hurt on that race. Kedrick won that race. I can't mean Kedrick's time was something ridiculous. It was, I, I mean, the time I remember in my head, I feel like is, is, 
probably wrong, so I don't want to say it. Um, but it was ridiculous times. Now, Kedrick never really mounted anything at UNC, but he definitely had some speed. Romar Morris had a better UNC career, but you know, he definitely has some speed too. Cause he, he won, I think the prior year that I attended that, that um, 100 meter dash track meet. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, Romar was on the track team at UNC. Like they brought him over for spring and I'm pretty sure they brought uh Kedrick too. Um, it was like Kedrick, Kedrick, Romar, Damian Washington, I think they brought over. Mm-hmm. He's another track kid, yeah. And I think Roy, Roy Smith too. But Roy was more like 400-meter hurdles. Um, but those guys, those those were some of the fast. And I think I- Roy came to UNC as a track guy and was added to the team later. Okay. That was uh, – was that uh, Butch working around the numbers? Well, I think it ended up burning <laughs> them because there was something – uh, it, it wasn't wor- working on the numbers. They added him later on, but I think they end up I, using oh, an initial. Yeah. Um, I think that was by Fedora. By it was Fedora, Fedora year. It could have been Fedora. Yeah. Where it was like, if, if he's, if he's on track scholarship and plays football, then he has to be on With, football scholarship. Uh, the, where they got hurt by was the initial counter thing. So they ended up losing an initial counter for the next year because they played him. But anyway, that's, that's another rabbit hole who would you say the strongest arm for a quarterback you've ever seen from a unc commit who's slinging it can i does it have to be a college quarterback because i have a great name okay good aj blue oh wow i i mean because i i I went to a bunch of aj blues high school games he was a quarterback did not play running back um at in high school and was a really good quarterback and he could absolutely sling it I mean, the velocity was there. I think the problem was he didn't know how to take anything off of it, um, among other things. Only but, one uh, speed. Yeah, only one <laughs> speed, you know, 1,000 miles per hour, you know, tremendous RPMs, beautiful ball. It's going through your chest, though, you know. But, yeah, so he he definitely, seeing him throw the ball, um, he, he threw it hard. I remember times after practice when I was on the team with Blue where – he would be like past midfield and like all the quarterbacks would do the thing where they're trying to hit like the, uh, the uprights mm-hmm. and blue would be out there like doing it with them, hitting it just as much as them. So it, it's kind of funny to hear like a school that recently, you know, Bryn, Queese, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Sam Howell, and for who has the best arm, you're going AJ blue. Well, I'm going strongest arm, strongest arm, strongest arm. Uh, who would you say the, the most intense commitment was? So this one was tough for me. I had a bunch of names, um, from, you know, Ray Vohasek was, was really cool with me. Um, but, um, I've seen situations now, I know your question was when there were recruits, um, but he was at a Juco school up in, I can't remember where it was. So I I never was able to cross paths with him uh, at his Juco school, but, when I've seen him at UNC's practice, he's pretty intense. Another, this is an old name, Ryan Taylor. He ended up playing in the league for, for a long time. I think mostly as a, as a special teams guy, um, super intense human being, um, great size, great athleticism. I don't think he played a little bit tight end. He kind of bounced around different positions. I think they, no one ever was able to find a great position for him, but he was great on special teams, but he was super duper in, intense. Tommy Hatton, another one who was super intense. He's another one who I could communicator wise. I could have thrown him up there. Um, Tyler Powell was pretty intense too. You know, I went to one of his practices and the day prior he got uh, suspended because he got into a fight because of his intensity. So I, I wasn't able to, well, I was able to speak with him, but I had to go to his house to talk to him, uh, which was an interesting situation. Um, and you want, you, you want a story for one? Yeah. Well, I always want a story. All right. Mitch Trubitsky. Wow. So I was, I don't want to give too much details. I was playing a video game against RJ Prince. All right. And I was, I was NCAA football. I was, I was whacking RJ Prince <laughs> and I was killing his quarterback. And I was, I was talking trash saying how he had a bunch of RJ Prince's on his offensive line. That's why his quarterback was always on his back. 
so Mitch is like, I'll play you. And it was just like, okay. So we get on. We don't talk at all. And it is so intense. It was 14-14. And then he got a call. He had to go. And so we were never able to finish that game. But it was probably the most intense video game I've ever been a part of. Um, I can't remember the details. I think there was an interception in there somewhere that kind of tied it up. But um, it was just a very intense experience for me. And it was over a video game. It's like that meme where the guy's playing video games and then he's, he's starting to he's starting to lean in a little yeah. more when when he starts locking in. Who would you say the the most competitive um, high school co- competition um, that you've seen from a commit? Because I think it, it varies in levels where it's like yeah. you go to some games and you're like, oh, this guy's just running through some easy competition. Who would you who would you say you went to the games and it's like the competition this guy's playing at and what he's doing? It's It's impressive. Yeah, so I always feel like the Atlanta area, particularly that, I guess, northeast, but definitely the greater Atlanta area, is um, the most competitive. You go to those schools and, like, you're talking about a dozen-plus Power 5 recruits on most of those rosters. So because of that, and because he played at, you know, in that Northeast area, North Gwinnett, you know, have to go with Josh Downs. I mean, he played against great competition. And I think the fact that he was able to, you know, he was so ready coming out of high school. I know he didn't play as a true freshman, mostly because of who was ahead of him. But I mean, he was able to step in as a true sophomore. Uh, I think he was a true sophomore. Yeah. Um, and um, without any sort of problems, it was like he's been playing forever. And it's because of, who he played against while he was in high school. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Yeah, Downs, the, the numbers he put up last year, it's like maybe maybe he could have contributed as a freshman. I've always been of the opinion, like, it's really hard for true freshmen to kind of break into mm-hmm. college football. But I think you're seeing it more and more now where it's like Antoine Green goes down and all of a sudden Andre Green, it's like people are expecting him to kind of um, – speed up when when he'll be ready if this Carolina team is going to compete like people think they will who would you say the best athlete like slash like most dynamic was Mike Hughes was uh, you know he his senior season he literally put Newburn High School on his back I believe they went undefeated in the top classification in North Carolina and won a state championship and you know his high school f- football coach said it best where he, he said I don't think Mike can ski, but if I gave him skis and gave him a week, he'd become the best skier you've ever met. That's a great quote. Yeah. And so he, um, I mean, you know, he never played DB in high school other than in camps and became a great DB. And it's unfortunate what happened to him at North Carolina, uh, because I think he would have been a great North Carolina player. Um, but you know, he went on to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, he's just one of those guys that, that just has that 
athletic gene and just can do whatever. Who had the best hands? Who, who's who got the stickiest hands? Best hands. Um, now, this might be a recency bias. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting someone, but went with Andre Green. You know, he's another one where if you put on his highlights, pretty impressive. His ball skills are ridiculous. Um, you know, now, if I could throw a name out there, just as, as a little cheat here, you know, my guy, um, Jordan Chip. You know, he's just was offered, not committed, but love his hands. You, you were there at his practice. Love that dude's hands. But anyway, Andre Green, just, you know, throwing his tape, just makes unbelievable catches, whether it's an interception or, you know, I mean, he didn't have the best quarterback throwing to him and, and uh, they just throw it up and, and he just had tremendous hands. Yeah, I, I love I love this the squeeze of the Jordan Ship reference for for it's like a little scoop. Yeah. A little yeah. scoop for the people. Uh I'm super high on Jordan Ship too. I think I think we both are a lot higher on somebody like Jordan Ship than than maybe others are. Yeah. Um who would you say the earliest commitment is that you can remember? So I actually went this is another one where I kind of went through the list and it was close. Uh the, um Dontavious Nash committed on June 16th before his junior season. Robert Dinkins committed on June 18th before his junior season. So those were the two earliest. Uh, Nash kind of looking, you know, UNC had offered him, I think, a week, I mean, I'm sorry, a year prior. Looking back, it kind of made sense because as a um, sophomore, he had attended almost all of UNC's home games, which is pretty unprecedented. You know, not a lot of sophomores are visiting games, and if they do, they kind of spread it out to a bunch of different yeah. schools, which makes the most sense. But clearly, UNC was on that kid's mind, and uh, he committed, I think it was during, like, the Showtime camp. I think it was Showtime camp at the time. Um, to uh, Yeah, so it had to be Showtime camp because it was to Mac Brown. Yeah, that's a that's a trip from Gastonia every yeah, every Saturday for and he, um, he had other offers, so he could have gone to a lot of other places and, and he did. But but um, looking I remember looking back and it was like almost every UNC home game he attended. Now, there's times where players are are silent commits. Mm -hmm. Who was the worst kept secret commit, in your opinion? We, you, you skipped one. Oh, who was who was the biggest, biggest surprise. surprise commitment? So the biggest surprise, this is going back to a not so great time um greg little and oh, the wow. reason why i say it, so he was committed to notre dame for a long time and we had all, our um signing day plans all kind of mapped out i can't remember where i was going uh that we had people going all, all these other places then we started to receive word that greg little might not actually sign with notre dame might flip to north carolina on signing day so fortunately JB Sissel was available and unfortunately, you know, uh, Greg Little went to school at uh, Hillside in Durham, which is what, 20 minutes away. Um, and so JB was able to go over there and cover it. But that was that was something that we weren't expecting. But that was also during a coaching transition and a lot of unexpected things happened because things happen so quickly during those times. But that was the most unexpected one for me. Can I, I'm going to get on my uh my old man yells at the 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 clouds. Okay, I like it. This old signing days. I miss signing days mattering. Signing days don't I matter agree. anymore. That you're right. You're right. No, I agree. It the the way that they've done it now, it's just it's not it's not nearly as fun. Yeah, you know. And peeling back the curtain a bit, like, has there ever been a time where where you're out and like a a recruits commitment? completely catches you off guard like maybe you know you're out to dinner and all of a sudden your phone starts blowing up has that ever happened to you so nowadays i mean i'm talking about in the last probably 10 years or so it really doesn't happen that much i mean maybe like when like elijah green when he committed you know that was somewhat surprising i guess um so I guess that kind of throw it in there. But for, for the most part, we have a good idea. I mean, these kids are either setting up a time or you, you have such a good rapport with the kid. You have an idea of when they might be doing things. You know, I, I have reliable sources who will reach out to me and kind of give me heads up on certain things. Um, but, you know, 
I mean, really, ever you know, social media has changed it tremendously to where it's just it's hard to really surprise people. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Zach Rice tried to do it, and he was fairly successful. But I mean, you knew it was either going to be North Carolina or Virginia with him, but he kept it only between him and his mom and maybe his coach. Maybe there was a couple other people, but was very, very selective with who he told. One of the mistakes recruits make is, and and this is out of respect, but they tell the schools who didn't pick them and who they're not going to pick. I'm sorry. Those are the schools most likely to not, um, most likely to leak the information because they kind of went out there. Um, But, but Zach didn't tell anybody. So, so yeah, I mean, nowadays it's just so hard, but yeah, I mean, you know, I guess prior to Twitter being a big deal, there were definitely a lot that, that kind of happened because you're, you know, it, it was just a different time. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand how, how on we have to be sometimes. Yeah. There was, there was one time early this spring, uh, a UNC basketball player was announcing that he was coming back. And I knew almost to like the minute when he was going to announce. And I think I was on like some kind of vacation and like people wanted to like go do things. And I was like, I, I can't do anything until after this time and after yeah. this player announces he's back. And then once he kind of announced and I got everything out, um, then I was able to do things. But well, that's um, yeah. And that's where it really has become to the point where it's like a kid's going to announce at such and such time. So I'm sitting there staring at my computer waiting for him now the last few kids have been great they they tweeted exactly when but then there's some guys who like 15 minutes go by nothing happens they don't realize that's the longest 15 minutes where i'm just staring at my computer screen yeah. but i will say that before you know things became the way they are now with social media i mean yeah i i would not leave like there were now there I, I don't leave the house without my keys my cell phone or my wallet before it used to be my keys, my cell phone, my wallet, and my recorder, so I can you know interview. So it's it's always kind of weird. People, say, you know, you pull it out of your pocket, like what is that, you know, sort of thing. Especially like you know, twenty years ago. I mean, they were they were huge, you know. Going so. going back to the the silent commitments now. Who was the worst kept secret commitment? Um. So I'll go with Michael Carter only because he actually committed at Fedora's Freak Show. And some people put it out there and then he went to everyone and said, Hey, can you guys not say anything? Because I want to announce it at my, at my, my family's 4th of July party. And so some people had to retract and delete and all that. And so, but by that point it had, the cat was already left out of the bag. And um, I think, you know, it's probably like two weeks between then and, and, and the 4th of July. I'm sure there's plenty of others where it became pretty clear who it was going to be early on, but that was the one where it was just obvious. And fortunately, you know, everyone liked Michael Carter. Everyone likes Michael Carter. So, um, you know, media members who sometimes can be a little stubborn, they were more than willing to kind of help them out and, yeah. and you know, retract their, their reports. Who was the commit that was the furthest away from Chapel Hill? Uh, um, well, I mean, you, you have, um, Don Chapman, who, you know, the, the East Coast. But I could tell you, you, you like stories. So I actually went to cover Arthur Brown. And this is before, this is during Butch Davis, um, which is in Wichita, Kansas. And he ended up picking Miami. So it wasn't UNC commit, but I did go all the way out to Wichita, Kansas to cover his announcement that, that uh, he didn't choose UNC. <laughs> that is a good one. I'm, so I'm, I'm imagining a, a video series, Don, Don in Wichita. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was definitely that. And so Kansas is a, was a unique experience, but the one that like stands out more was Melvin Williams. Who's even further back was a um, Juco DB from Coffeyville, Kansas, or he, Coffeyville junior college. I went out there to do just a story on him. He was already committed. He went to North, went to North Carolina, played a couple of seasons, um, but I remember the closest airport, I think, was Tulsa or something like that. And I couldn't get a flight during that range. So I had to fly into Kansas City and drive three hours to Coffeeville. And that was, in all honesty, kind of a cool experience. Not something I want to do again, but definitely yeah. like you check off your list. 
because you know they say how how flat Kansas is, but I didn't really appreciate how flat it was until I'm out there driving for three hours and you look out your window and you don't see anything for miles. So, um, so yeah, so that was kind of a, a far one that I that I covered also, but I didn't go I didn't go all the way out to um, California for Don Chapman. Who's who's the hometown hero? Who's the closest to Chapel Hill? That one was difficult. Um, I mean, because you have a bunch of guys in Durham. Yeah. Um, you have um, Jarrett McAdoo, who's from Chapel Hill High School. I guess you would go with him, um, probably walking distance. Um, so, so yeah, so he probably would be the closest. Who would you say had the most hype coming in? Like their the first day on campus, who had the most hype from a commit that you remember? So this this is another dark period of, in Carolina was you know Marvin Austin. You know, at one point he was number one player in the uh, in the nation. I don't think he finished number one, but he was he was up there pretty high and had just a ton of hype and a ton of other things that came with him to Chapel Hill. That's we pour one out from from Marvin Austin. Yeah. Marvin Austin uh, on Twitter. Uh, who would you say had the the um, this is one of somebody that didn't go to UNC. So who, in your opinion, the one that got away? So I'm asked this question a lot, and it's I feel like it's so difficult to answer because, you know, unlike basketball recruiting, you UNC is probably offering in every class over a hundred guys. So and and some of it is like you offer guys, um, you the the best players in your region. And if they say thanks and you never hear from them again, no big deal. But if they say thanks, I'm going to visit your campus. Great. And maybe something comes of it. So it's so hard to justify. Okay. Are, was UNC really involved? I mean, I put down Arthur Brown, who I talked about. I mean, he was at one point the number one player in the nation. And UNC was a finalist with um, Miami. I mean, it, it was so close to getting UNC was so close to getting him that, you know, inside Carolina flew me out there to cover it. Um, and then I, you know, I mean, also you got guys like, you know, Dexter Lawrence was, who was, I feel like one of the best players to come out of the state of North Carolina and up at Clemson, um, you know, UNC fell off before the final stretch, but he had visited there a bunch of times. So they were a factor early on, um, but he was one of the best the state has produced. Yeah. I had on my notes, the ones that got away, I just wrote down Georgia running backs. So Todd Gurley, Zamir White. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, no, Georgia, I mean, stop poaching. Yeah, and Todd Gurley is a great example because I had a really good relationship with Todd, and he basically at multiple points told me he was headed to, to North Carolina. That was during the coaching transition, and I think the coaching transition paired with Georgia just recruiting really well just made it not happen. I I also sneakily have a good relationship with Todd Gurley. Okay. He he would come back and visit mm -hmm. because he was close with a lot of guys in that class. And this was probably when he was getting ready for the uh NFL draft and I didn't know him when he when he came back, but at one point it was me, him and like two other guys on the UNC team that he was closer with and we went out to like I think we went out to like some bar on Franklin street and the two guys that knew him, like went off to like, go talk to like their girlfriends or left with their girlfriends. So it was just me and Todd Gurley at a bar in Chapel Hill. First time ever meeting him. We we're like casually talking. And he, he essentially just asked me to be his wingman for the night. He would just, he would just like, look for somebody. He would like, look for a girl and be like, go up to that girl and be like, Hey, is that Todd Gurley? <laughs> 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 and that's what I did for for the entire night. That was probably like sophomore sophomore year when it's funny. Back and visit. Um, who would you say the the diamond in the rough was for your you know you're um, evaluating all these prospects who wasn't getting the proper recognition? You were like, I think this guy's a lot better than his recruiting or his ranking is saying. So if we go recency bias, Javante Williams is the pick here because you look at his offers, you look at his ranking and all that sort of stuff, and you look at what he's doing now. He's he's the pick. But a couple of names I want to throw out there. Bruce Carter wasn't highly recruited. I think his two offers were North Carolina and East Carolina. 
and he ended up playing in the NFL, becoming a multi-year starter, one of the best linebackers North Carolina has produced. Hakeem Nix. I, yeah, this is very early on in my career. So I don't remember him ever. I don't remember him having any other offers besides North Carolina. Most of that was because he was playing on a loaded Charlotte independent scene. This is for those way back. Remember, Independence High School was was the team in Charlotte for a while there with Chris League, Mohammed Massaqua, Joe Cox, so on and so forth. Hakeem Nix is one of those guys, and he was one of those guys who had to wait his turn and didn't play until his senior year. And um, John Bunning offered him based off of a recommendation from um, the coach there and then also seeing him in some um, in camp settings. But unbelievable player, Super Bowl champion, played for the Giants for a long time, was an unbelievable player in North Carolina and really – Unless my, my memory is wrong, North Carolina was the only school that offered him. Look at you throwing around your bona fides, man. <laughs> you were high on Javante Williams and Hakeem Nix. So oh, like- no, that I was high on. I was, yeah. I, no, 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 no. I was not, I was not high on. Well, I was high on Knicks. I thought this was more of like guys who, who diamonds in a rough beat the, beat the, oh, um, no. are you yeah. talking about mine? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Who, who are you looking at? Like I, I was going to say Javante Williams and Hakeem Nix, like no, the NFL no, no. team I, is going to listen to this and offer you yeah. a job in scouting. No, no, no. I mean, I, um, no, I definitely did not know about <laughs> Javante or knew very little about Javante Williams before, before he committed to North Carolina. And the same thing with all those, those are just guys who, um, the, um, you know, the, the rankings and the other people didn't, uh, didn't, uh, didn't think highly of okay. as far as my own personal guys who I thought higher than, than everyone else. I mean, I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. So I guess those, uh, those NFL <laughs> scouts are not going to hire me now. And then got- the, the next superlative I have is the it factor. Like when, when you're at Providence day, one of the reasons we were talking about like why we love Jordan ship so much, it's like you watch him play and you're like, whatever talent it takes to, like play at the next level, it takes something else. And like somebody yeah. like that, it feels like they have the it factor. Who would you say was the biggest it factor commitment that you can remember? I would have to go with Sam Howell. And I'm sure there's other ones I can probably point to. But you know what? I guess for me, sums it up best. I had a conversation with Fedora during a camp that, that Sam was at. And, and Fedora kind of he said, look, I mean, this guy, he just wills his way to whatever – um, whatever he wants to do. And, you know, because if you look at him, he's not the tallest, he's not the fastest, he doesn't have the best arm, he doesn't have this and that, but he produces and he wins games. You know, um, you know, if you if you look at him, if you watch him just run, you wouldn't think this he's like this great mobile quarterback, but he actually is. He's very dangerous with the ball in his hands running. Um, same thing with his throwing. I mean, he's not, you know, there's certain things that he doesn't do great, but he just, produces and and it he just has that it factor he also is just you kind of see it when you're talking to him he's kind of no nonsense um nothing bothers him just very you know he's another one you could probably throw in the intense category also yeah there's there's a reason why carolina went from a two-win uh team the season before him to a true freshman to an orange ball appearance by a sophomore year yeah Uh, they had i'm not i'm not trying to dog him i'm just trying to say like there's nothing you would point to and say th- he's really good with this. Yeah. But yeah. he's really good. Yeah. It's the intangibles almost. Yeah, exactly. Make yeah. Up for. Who would you have as the best overall class? Like, are you, are you going Butch days? Or are you going one of the Mac Brown classes? Who is the best class? So, I mean, from a ranking standpoint, I think the um, 2009 Butch Davis class. Everything goes back to 2009. <laughs> uh, was the best one. But, you know, we haven't, or the problem with the 2009 class is that a lot of busts in that class for a lot of different reasons, whether it's academic or once they came on campus, they had some sort of problems or whatever it may be. Um, but very close to that is the 20, uh, 2021 class, which is, you know, obviously Mac Brown's class. Um, and, you know, we might see that class um, really kind of sorry, my cat is going crazy. We have to address the elephant in the room. It's the cat. Yeah, it's the cat my, it's, I have a kitten, and he just, no matter what I do, I try to take him off the desk, but he keeps on going up. This he is, just wants to be on camera. This is why 
you can't just listen to the podcast as an audio watch only medium. You have to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, I've been for, for dodging that. cat ass for like the last 30 <laughs> minutes. Um, anyway. <laughs> That's not a sentence I thought you would ever say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the 21 class, I'll go with that class just because it's not that far behind the, 2020, uh, the 2009 class, um, but yet has the potential to actually be better in the long run and then the last the last one who outperformed your expectations when they were coming in you kind of mentioned Javante Williams do you have other candidates for that so I didn't throw Javante Williams mostly because I didn't have expectations for him because I knew very little about him um so the two that I went with were Jonathan Cooper who loved the kid awesome kid um but never expected him to be a top 10 NFL draft pick now he he's kind of bounced around and and never really kind of lived up to those expectations. But the fact that he became such a great offensive college offensive lineman to the point where he became a top ten NFL draft pick is is pretty remarkable. Nothing that I I ever projected or I think anyone projected. The other name, T.J. Yates. Um, now he's during my early years. I don't know the details, but it wasn't highly recruited. Um, I don't think. Anyone realistically felt like he was going to be the quarterback for UNC during his years and definitely didn't foresee a long NFL career, mostly as a backup, but still an NFL career. Uh, I, th- I mean, probably the best job in the NFL is, is the, is the qu- backup quarterback, right? You, you, know, you latch so. on to one of those jobs. Yeah. You're set if you, for life. Yeah, if you could hold on to that, you'll be good. <laughs> Andy Dalton still in the league on the Saints. Yeah. He, he'll be on the uh, in the NFL for another six seven years collecting millions of dollars no pass attempts in the game this question wasn't on the list but how into the weeds are you getting with like walk-ons that commit to unc because well i mean i'm talking to my favorite walk-on right now (laughs) so i always do the um meet the walk-ons story every july um and i've been doing it for i don't know how long i've been doing it but i was able to find shopmer's um, version because oh. I was able to kind of read it before he came on as a guest on, on um, the scoop podcast with Ross Martin. Um, so it, it, it depends now specialists are a little bit different just because they're recruited differently. So if it's a big time specialist coming in as a preferred walk on, obviously they're going to get a lot more coverage with, from me, uh, for obvious reasons, because they're the mo- mo- most likely to land a scholarship eventually. Um, and then for the most part, just kind of, you know, if some kid tells me, hey, you know, I'm committed to North Carolina, they'll get a little blurb in, in the weekly scoop, but not a whole lot outside of the meet the walk-ons story they do every year, which I do enjoy doing. Um, it's a lot of research and some of those walk-ons is very difficult to find information on, but um, I always enjoy doing it. And I enjoy even more looking back, see which, which guys kind of panned out, which didn't. Yeah, and you're always going to get a couple of the guys that panned out. Shopmer, Cole Holcomb, Matt Collins. Yeah. Speaking of going closing a loop, the parents that listen and the uh-huh. specialists, shout out to Chad Little. Yeah, yeah. Chad I... Little listens, and this is his test to see if he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> I want him to message me after listening to this podcast if he's listening. Yeah, Chad is awesome. He really is. I, I try to figure out a way to get Drew Little on one of these. I, I almost threw him in the intense, the intense category, but didn't. But uh, no, Chad is great. I've known Chad well before his son was even a recruit. You know, he was uh, Antonio Williams's coach. Um, and, you know, for a little school, North Stanley has actually produced quite a few guys. So um, and anytime I go there, I got you know, the hospitality is off the charts with, with not just with Chad, but with all the coaches over there at North Stanley high school. That's all we got on this podcast. If, and if, I should have, yes, you're right. I should have. Now he's going to get mad at me for not including him on in the parents. We just, thing. we just gave him a, uh, a two minute segment right there. Though. Yeah, we did. We did, but he's not going to, he's probably going to, after the parents segment was over and his name's not mentioned, he's probably just going to stop listening. That's all we have on this podcast. If, if we're evaluating how we did, I think this went well. I think this was a good audition for yeah. for the future. There was good chem- chemistry here. This the scoop, the scoop duo is on notice. That's right. <laughs> Ross, Ross better watch his back. Everybody, appreciate you listening. Don, appreciate you getting on here. Till next time.
Talk to you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.